Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Let's get into our word for today. We are in part two of a brand new teaching series that we are calling The Missing Piece. If you didn't catch last week's message, I strongly encourage you to do that. It laid a foundation for today and where we're going to go with the rest of the sermons this month. So let's go to Philippians chapter four, and we're going to be reading verses four through seven, and we'll also get them up here on the screen. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And here's the last verse. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. For the next few moments, I want to talk to you on this thought that I've entitled, Unreasonable Peace. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. I'm grateful, Father, that in spite of all the things that are happening with the weather, we're still able to lean into your word and to hear a message that I believe you want to speak into our hearts today. So help us to block off all the noise, the distraction, anything that competes for our attention, and help us to focus on you for these next few moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's talk about unreasonable peace. The word unreasonable, it's a kind of fun word, isn't it? Anytime you're disagreeing with someone, if you just want to uh, throw something on them, you can just say, you are being unreasonable. I don't know if you've ever told somebody that, but if you've ever told somebody that, it's pretty liberating. I think that one of the marks of being a follower of Jesus means that we have to be a bit unreasonable. Let, let, Let me explain it to you. We believe that our Messiah, Jesus, was born by a young girl through a young girl, Mary, who was a virgin. That's a bit unreasonable. Think about this. She was engaged to be married to a man by the name of Joseph, and rather than him call the wedding plans off, and rather than him blow up the whole relationship, the Bible tells us that he went forward and married her. That's that's unreasonable. We also know that when he was born, King Herod, when he had learned that the Jewish Messiah had been born because he he wanted no other kings in the land and he wanted to reign over the Jews and he battled his own insecurities, that he went and had every baby boy killed under the age of two years old. That's unreasonable. And so when we talk about unreasonable peace, there's a part of it, if we really think about it critically, our faith leads us to be unreasonable. During this time of year, people are singing about peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Could we really experience peace here on earth? Is it reasonable to expect worldwide peace? And yet that's what we've been talking about, the missing peace, unreasonable peace. And so I think that when we frame up peace according to the biblical definition of peace and God's expectations of peace, we can see that it is unreasonable 
and yet it's consistent with who God is. So, so let's dive in. Philippians chapter 7, it's a well-known verse about the peace of God. Um, you might have gone into Hobby Lobby and you probably read that verse on a mug or it's on a frame about the peace of God passing all understanding. And, and here's what we learned last week. I want to remind you, peace is not the absence of conflict, okay? But it is also wholeness and completeness. That, that's, that's what we call shalom, that, that Hebrew definition of what peace is. It's not just the absence of conflict, but it's, it is wholeness and completeness. And that truly is the kind of peace that God wants for our lives. That, that's the depths of his love towards us. And so we're going to lean in on this scripture. We're going to examine it because I believe that if we are going to experience this type of peace, the peace that passes all understanding, there's some effort on our parts. There's some things that we should do to experience this type of peace. As a matter of fact, that verse, verse 7 says, and the peace of God, and the peace of God. Me meaning, it's bad English for those of you that are grammarians watching. You don't, you don't start a word, a sentence with the word and unless you were looking at what comes before the preposition of that, that what, what comes before that. And that's what we're going to talk about. What comes before that type of peace? And that's important because what I see, what I want you to understand about peace is simply this. Peace is a promise. Peace is a promise. So there are things that we can do. And if we do these things, we will see God's peace in our lives. Are you ready to roll with me? Okay, here's the first one. Here's the first thing you need to do. You need to rejoice more. We, we need to celebrate more. Have you ever wondered why at Lighthouse Church we're constantly celebrating? Especially when I'm in the room, especially if I'm doing the announcements, I'm like, let's clap for this and let's clap for that and put your hands together for this. Why, why do we do that? Why do I love to do that? Well, think about it for a second. In the world that we live in now and the climate of the culture of the day that we are living in now, there's a lot of cynicism around the church, isn't there? I think that the church's reputation has fallen on hard times. It was magnified, it was heightened in 2020 and the years that came afterwards, but uh, there's a lot of cynicism around the church. And I'm not saying the church is blameless. Some of the reputation that the church has right now is earned. And so there's cynicism about the mission of the church, the values of the church, and of course, the church always talking about money. And so what we do to resist, what we do to push back against cynicism is to celebrate. And, and I'm going to get into the science of some of that, but, but I believe that the faith community, those, the community of Jesus followers in a world that is becoming increasingly more cynical, the church should be a community of celebration. The church should be a community of celebration. Think about it for a second. The news, it's bad. Social media, it's bad. Cancel culture, it's bad. Have you ever gone on social media and seen a bunch of strangers just fight with each other in the comment section of a post? I mean, people will lose their mind and they will fight with someone in a comment section who they don't even know. They don't know where they're from. They don't really know what their values are. They just hold a different opinion than them. And so they fight. What, what I see God 
And his word telling us to do here is he's telling us to step away from this kind of bad news. Step away from canceling. Step away from arguing. And step into a lifestyle of scripture. Let, let's read that verse again. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. I love this part. And because he says this, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Ah, I love that. Paul was giving us um, an emphatic declaration that we should rejoice always. And then he wants to make sure we got the message. And he said, I want you to rejoice. He's, he's calling the believers into a lifestyle of celebration. He's saying, don't get into arguing with people. Don't become cynical. Don't, don't get mad at people. Don't start canceling people. Just celebrate more. Just laugh a bit more. Find a reason to rejoice a bit more. I said I'd get into the science, so let me do that. When you look at science and studies of the brain, we learn that for the most part, the majority of our brain is completely developed when we are coming out of our childhood. But there is one part of our brain that continues to develop into adulthood, and that is called the right orbital prefrontal cortex. It's, it's elastic, and it's still developing well into our adulthood. So in addition to this part of our brain still developing, there's, a, there's this part of our brain, the right prefrontal um, cortex, is also called the joy center. People refer to it as the joy center. And there's uh, uh, one author who, who wrote the following. I'm just going to quote it to you all. He said this, when the joy center of our brains has been sufficiently developed, it regulates emotions, pain control, and immunity centers. It guides us to act like ourselves. It, release, it releases neurotransmitters like dopamine and serotonin. And it is the only part of the brain that overrides main drive center. So our brain has main drive centers. I'm going to I'm going to read it off to you, but but this part of our brain, our joy center can help our our main drive centers. It shapes it and and here are those centers. Food, sexual impulses, terror, and rage. Those those, those four things that they're natural, but but what the writer is saying when you don't have enough joy in your life, those four things, the desire for food, sexual impulses, terror and rage, they run our lives. So, so when there is an absence of joy, those things dominate and control us. But when we develop joy, when we develop this joy center, here's what happens. It becomes a strength. It becomes a strength. So, so let me say it this way. The more joy that you have, the less emotional you become. You're not going to be on a roller coaster of emotions because you have been exercising that joy center of your brain. The more joy you have, the greater your ability to control pain. Listen, we're all going to have pain in our lives. We're human, but we've got joy in our lives so that when pain hits, we don't go deep into depression. When, when pain hits, we, we don't go deep into having thoughts to, to harm ourselves or to harm others because we're living a lifestyle of joy. Here's the last one, and I love this. The more joy that we have, we can actually, we can actually push back against sickness in our body. Did you know that some people are just addicted to being sick? They just love being at the doctor, love being on medicine. And have you ever met anyone like that where they are just so addicted to being sick? Now, 
Let me give you an example of this. I'm going to have some fun with this. This is a bit of a childish example, but, but I want to show you something, okay? I want to show you something. You can either be a Tigger or you can be an Eeyore. Now, now I know you're probably thinking, Pastor Josh, are we really going the Winnie the Pooh? We are, because I think there's great application here. When you think about Eeyore, Eeyore was a downer. Have you ever met anyone like that? You're afraid to even ask them how they are doing. Have you ever met someone like that where you don't want to ask? Because you know if you ask them how they're doing, you better have about a good 35 minutes available to hear what they are going to unload on you. I think that's someone like an Eeyore, someone that just isn't using that joy center of their brain. They're not, they're not living a life of rejoicing. They're not living a life of celebration and joy. But, but this guy right here, Tigger, I love Tigger. Do you guys remember Tigger? Tigger actually had a song for himself. That's how much joy he had. I don't know about any of you if you have your own song, but Tigger had his own song. Let me read to you just the opening line of Tigger's song. It goes as follows. The wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful things. I mean, we'll just stop right there. There's like no shortage of self-esteem with Tigger. He was a person who was positive. He was a person of joy. And don't you just love being around people like that? Well, that's the point that Paul is making. He's saying rejoice more. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, now here's the second thing, okay? Let gentleness be your witness. Let's read this verse, Philippians 4, 5. It says this, let gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. If you're sitting next to someone at the couch, would you tell them gentleness, gentleness? All right, let's, here's the point for you. Gentleness is our message. Gentleness is our message. And, and simply, we just got to be more gentle with people, church. We, we just got to be kinder with other people. We, I put this in my notes. You can never go wrong being more gentle with others. I mean, you can never go wrong being more gentle with others. And, and I think this is especially important because things aren't easy right now. Things are difficult. I was just uh, spending time with a group of pastors earlier this week, and most of them are from out of state. And they just couldn't believe the cost of living here in California. They all got their rental vehicles and uh, they, were, they weren't looking forward to having to put gas in the rental vehicles because they're not used to those gas prices. And so for those of us that are from Southern California or California in general, um, that's just been normalized for us. Um, but for many others, that, that's a struggle. And um, maybe you know someone who has to make a decision about food or gas because it's one or the other. It's, it, it's not both. And that's just the stuff that we're having to deal with in our country with, with everything on the rise. I mean, the cost of groceries is high. The cost of gas is high. Um, the cost of living is high. Just everything is high. And, and, and what a beautiful thing that the church of God can just be gentle with others. While, while so many people are suffering, while so many people are having a really hard time, we should be the community of people that model to the world that, that, that what this world needs more of is gentleness. We, we just need more gentleness. And uh, I, I don't mean to sound like a dad right now, uh, but I'm going to do some of that. Like, like, I'm tired of seeing people in the church who somehow justify their immaturity by not being gentle with others. I've met a lot of angry Christians. I've met a lot of Christians who justify their anger at other people simply because, well, they don't believe like me, Pastor Josh. Well, they, they, they don't vote like I do, Pastor Josh. And, and they have different world values than I have, Pastor Josh. I understand all of that. 
but you still got to be gentle with them. You still have to model love to them. I love this tweet by Pastor Rich Velotis. I'm just going to read it to you. Pastor Rich Velotis, he pastors a church in New York City, and he said this. It's a really curious evangelism strategy to despise the people you are trying to convert to Jesus. I'll say that one more time. It's a really curious evangelism strategy to despise the people you are trying to convert to Jesus. Lighthouse, can I just encourage you? Be gentle. Just, just be kind. Watch what happens to other people when you are gentle to them. Watch how it makes them feel. And here's the kicker. And then watch how it makes you feel. When you are gentle with them and you see it light up their life, watch how it lights up your life. Let me read you a verse, John 13, verse 35. It says this, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another, the way that we know, the way, more importantly, the way that this world knows that you are a follower of Jesus is simply that you would love one another. All right, let me get to my last thing here. It's simply this. If you're writing notes, take this down. Pray about everything, okay? Pray about everything. I recently read a book, and I think you should too. It's called, I'm Worried About Everything Because I Pray About Nothing. It's a great book by Pastor Chad Beach, and it's simply talking about how we need to pray more. And that's found right here in this verse, First Philippians, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It simply reads as follows. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, tell your neighbor every situation. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You know, last week I talked about how anxiety is on the rise and how it continues to rise uh, more and more as we live in a world of comparison and we're constantly um, comparing ourselves to others. And I think that it's going to continue rising because we don't know how to pray, church. We, we just don't spend enough time praying. When we pray more, not only going to push back the feelings of anxiety, but again, these, these are the things that are precursors to experience the peace of God. We've, we, we've, we've been talking about the things that we should do more. We should rejoice more. We should be more gentle. And now we're talking about we should pray more. Here's what prayer does. Number one, it invites us into worship. When we come to prayer, we have a posture of worshiping God, and we do this through praise and thanksgiving just for who He is. And the second thing we do through prayer is it's a release when I come to God in prayer, I release to Him, God, these are things that I'm struggling with. God, here are the things that are out of my control. God, here are the things that are robbing me of my peace. And, and when we bring them to God, we release them. You know, uh, you, you, you don't take your problems to God and then pick them up with you when you leave. You got to learn how to release that stuff through prayer. And here's the last part of prayer. Finally, when we have released, we sit and we receive. That, that's probably one of the most underrated and uh, things that we don't do enough of in prayer. Many times we, I heard Pastor Mark Francis said this. He said, many times we just ding-dong ditch God. We go to God. We worship. We bring our requests known. And then we're out. Before he has had a chance to talk to us. Before we just sit in silence and just hear from the Holy Spirit. Or just write down in a journal what God is saying to us in that moment. Before the Holy Spirit impresses us. So many of us just bring our needs to God and we, we run away and we just ding-dong ditch God. But what we need to do as part of our prayer is just sit into stillness and to receive. 
receive. So, so those are the three things that, that Paul talks about. He says, if you rejoice more, if you are gentle with others, and if you pray more, then we get to this right here. Then we get to uh, verse 7 of Philippians chapter 4. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the completeness and the wholeness of God, which is far beyond all of our understanding, it's going to guard our hearts, it's going to guard our minds. And I don't know about you, but this is the type of peace that I want to live with. This is the peace that I want from God. So, so what can you do? What's your take home? What's your homework? What do you got to start doing right now, Lighthouse Church? You got to rejoice more. You got to be gentle with others. And you've got to pray. You've got to pray more. And I believe as you do these things, the promise of peace. Remember we said it's the promise. The promise of peace is going to come into your life. Now, before I close, I got to give you context. Because, as I said just a minute ago, so many people are so cynical when it comes to the Word of God. They're so cynical when it comes to the church, and they're very cynical about the Bible. And when you read this here, it might be easy for you to say, yeah, Pastor Josh, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad Paul wrote those things, but Paul doesn't understand me. Paul doesn't get me. Paul's marriage, you know, it doesn't look like my marriage. Paul's struggles don't look like my struggles. Paul knows nothing about what I'm talking about. Well, let me give you some context. Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. That's why this letter is called Philippians, to the church in Philippi, to the Philippians, the, the, the followers of Jesus in that community. Now, that community started by Paul. If you go back into the book of Acts, you'll actually read that uh, Paul went into Macedonia with Silas on one of his missionary journeys, and they were preaching the gospel, and they were starting the church there in Philippi. And they were arrested for doing that. They were arrested. They were thrown in the jail. And the book of Acts, it's a well-known passage of Scripture where we read that Paul and Silas at midnight started praising God. They started singing songs. They started exalting God and, and rejoicing. And when they did that, the Bible said there was like an earthquake that happened. And it said immediately the, the doors of the prison were open and the chains on, on Paul's wrists and the chains on his ankles, they all fell. And, and they could have just got up and left at that moment. But they didn't. And the Bible says that the jailer, the guy that was on guard that night, he was supposed to make sure nothing happened to Paul and Silas. When he saw the doors of the jail flung open, he, he decided in that moment to end his life. Because he thought, they have surely left. And, and the punishment for me, losing these two prisoners, is that they will take my life. He said, I, I don't want anyone else to kill me. I'll just end my own life. And the book of Acts, it records that just as this guard was getting ready to fall on his sword, Paul shouts out. And I'm going to paraphrase. Paul shouts out, hey, bro, you're good. We're still here. We're, we're good, bro. You, you don't got to go kill yourself. We're still here. And what's crazy is what happens afterwards is that prison guard gave his life to Christ. And then the Bible goes on to say that his whole family got saved. That was the beginning of the church in Philippi. Now, that's how it started. When Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians, this letter is now written when Paul's in jail again. If you didn't know, Paul went to jail a whole bunch of times, but not for crimes and not for felonies, but for preaching the gospel. So he's actually in Rome and he's in jail. He's under house arrest at the time that he writes this letter. 
this letter... When, when, when the church, you see, he's writing this letter to them because they first wrote a letter to him. Those believers, that prison guard and his family and everyone that came to faith in Philippi, they wrote a letter to Paul because they heard that Paul was arrested in Rome and they're checking in on him. They want to know how he's doing. They, do you need anything, Paul? Can, can we send you any food, Paul? Is this, there anything that we can help you with? And instead, it's amazing what Paul says, this is what Paul says. I'm just going to paraphrase it, okay? Paul says this. Hey, friends, I want to report to you that my imprisonment had the opposite of its intended effect. And this is Eugene P Peterson. I'm reading from the message translation. This is what he says. He says, instead of being squelched, the gospel has actually prospered. All the soldiers here and everyone else, too, found out that I'm in jail because of the Messiah. That piqued their curiosity. And now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever, speaking out fearlessly about God and about the Messiah. So for those of you who are thinking, Oh, but Pastor Josh, when Paul wrote those letters about rejoice and be gentle, he doesn't know about my life. He's writing from a jail. He's incarcerated. And rather than being down, he's encouraging other people. He's winning people to Christ. He, he had a spirit of Tigger like we talked about just a minute ago. He, he's not allowing his circumstances to consume him. What he's doing instead is he's making a choice to rejoice. He's making a decision to be gentle. And he's praying a whole lot. And Lighthouse, this is what I want for you. I'm going to close my message with this. This is, this is what I want for you. I want for you to enter into the peace of God. Do you want the peace of God in your life? Do, do, do you want this type of peace in your life today? If so, I'm going to close this message with a prayer. If you're able to, would you just kind of still things around you and, and let's lean in and uh, let's pray that we would receive this peace. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for everyone that's watching right now. I thank you for everyone that has tuned in today or they're watching throughout the week. And God, unfortunately, we couldn't meet in person this Sunday, but uh, here we are anyway. We're, we're pressing in, we're leaning in, and I'm grateful, Father, for everyone that is watching this now. Father, if they're still with me, that's because they want more peace in their lives. If they're still with me and praying right now, it's because they need your promise of peace in their life. So, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that your spirit of peace would rest on them rest on their home, rest over their children. And God, I pray that they would now be called to action, that they would be called to application, that they would make decisions to rejoice, to be gentle with others, and to pray more. I pray, God, that as we trust in you to do the things that only you can do, that you could trust us to do the things that only we can do, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of your word. We thank you for this time in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Lighthouse Church, for tuning in today. Thank you so much for every one of you that is continuing to advance the kingdom of God right here in the city of Vista. We love you so much, and we can't wait to see you next Sunday for Merry and Bright, which is Christmas at Lighthouse. Stay tuned to all the social media. we got more information coming all this week to get you ready for an incredible day. Have a good Sunday, everybody. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.